Listeners everywhere, welcome to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan, the weekly fix for your screen addiction and a trusted source for discussion of all things film and television. Please keep in mind that for the purposes of this podcast, Joel and Ryan are not acting as journalists, but rather fellow moving picture enthusiasts. All of their opinions should be taken as such. Also, please be warned that while Joel and Ryan may seem like petulant children, they are, in fact, adults who may occasionally use adult language. While they promise to keep out all the worst words, it's a good bet you will still understand what they were saying. And now, with no further ado, here's Joel and Ryan. That's right, folks. That's right. We are back. We are back. Did you miss us? It's been a long week, I bet. About, yeah, a, a whole week of waiting for the dulcet tones of Joel and Ryan. Uh, but we're here. We're here. We are here to serve you. We are here to serve you up some of the best films of last year and some from the year before. Uh, but we will get to that. First, we have to introduce ourselves. I Welcome to the movie show with Joel and Ryan. I am Joel. And I'm Ryan. And uh, yeah, and we you are here for part two of uh, of the annual annual. We've done this every year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did we do it the- yes, but never like this. This is becoming like a months months long. Thing. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Believe it or um, not, we did almost as many movies as this in one show. It, go back and listen. Oh my to god, that. I remember that. Yeah, start a season was- two where I just did. Uh, whatever it was 180 movie reviews in one show yep. it's insanity it was it has yeah, a really fun energy to it and it's it does work still as a viewer's guide i think but what we found is that a lot of these were well there's a couple things first things first before we even get first into the couple first things. yes listen to you hear that joel <laughs> listen really no fans oh the fans were the- howling on the last episode ladies and gentlemen oh were they oh i'm sorry about that that was during the refrigerator crisis of 2023 and that's true i was just totally scatterbrained and forgot to turn the fans off and i didn't even notice they were on Mm -hmm. two hours of doing this um and now the the fingers crossed is that uh, the new refrigerator will be in time for part three of our movie review. Wait, yeah, part three of our movie review. Hopefully, or else it's going to be Ryan review. just going. I've been eating room temperature things for the. You know, <laughs> you know what's cool though that uh, I haven't bought it in a long time, but that ice that you buy like outside the convenience store. Yeah, yeah. That ice is so much better than the ice that your oh, freezer makes. Oh my god, so it's good. good. It's so good. Yeah. It makes everything taste really. I'm just going to, from now on, F it. I'm just going to buy that ice. You know, I'm going to buy an ice bin and I'm just going to dump a three pound bag of that in it every time. Cause it's like, I just forgot. Yeah. And when you, it reminds you, you're like, this is it. This ice, this ice really is we, like it yeah, says on the uh, thing. It's high quality ice. They're not lying. Yeah, we, when they say that. yeah, we, uh, yeah, we got when we got our re- new refrigerator a few years back. Uh, we got one with uh, you know makes ice right there. You know, so you just get put it in the door, and it's really great because we used to go through ice like crazy we are very much uh ice in our drinks uh sort of people and um man yeah and then and then so then we've just gotten used to the regular ice and then when yeah we've had situations like that where we're like oh we'll just use this bag ice and we're like 
dang, I shouldn't feel this strongly about ice, but I do. I should. It's I and I maybe I don't. Maybe it's not. I mean, it's not a high priority thing in life, of course. But right, it, sure, yes, I do feel strongly that that ice. It it's that ice outside the convenience store for the win. Two is hotel machine ice, which is really pretty yummy. And everything else is like, it's not as yep. cool. And Okay, so what did I say? Two things. One. Two things. We don't come back to these movies again. Not, not, some of them we do, right? Like Dune and stuff. I mean, we're going to come back. Sure, to sure. That. But, yeah, yeah. but we don't, this is it for these. This is their shot on the movie show with Joel and Ryan, unless the filmmakers become famous or stuff, you know, there's, there's our chances for, for us to revisit, but largely in the streaming era, when the stuff's just coming at you, that, you know, we like to take our time with it a little bit to give everything mm -hmm. a fair shake. And, and so you, and I think we pretty spoiler free about these new movies, obviously not completely spoiler free. That's a warning for all these shows, but we don't ruin, I don't ruin the big reveals. I don't ruin the big spins. I, I know what the money moments in a movie are at this point of mm -hmm. this stage of analysis that I'm in. So I don't ruin that for you. So it is a good viewer's guide. And the second thing is a little more personal, which is just, we're super busy. I've already watched all these. Let's drag this puppy out so that we can actually do the show every week without thinking up a category or prepping or, and certainly not watching more stuff. Cause I flat out can't do that here in the months of right. January and February. Um, um so that, yeah, I, that's why I mean, these, we didn't really say that last week cause we wanted to get off to a faster start plus avatar. Well, here's what I would say here. Also my, my take on it also is when we first did this, when we did the, the, Super, uh, let's yeah. just try to get through, uh, 100 and you know, uh, 172,000 movies in a two hour show. Uh, that was more for like, uh, and I and I don't mean this in any sort of derogatory way, but it was kind of like, look at how many movies, uh, right. Ryan has consumed, mostly Ryan has consumed in, in this in this calendar year, because that's the kind of people we're still introducing ourselves to people at that point. Now, at this I, I sort of feel at this juncture where we are at now, uh, this is a chance for us to try to sell you on some movies that you may have missed in the last year. Um, and that now they are available, uh, on, you know, whether it's streaming or, you know, what, what have you, um, and you can see these, you, you know, you can maybe, maybe we're going to pique your interest in, you know, uh, 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 the title of a movie, often the title of the movie is, will not tell you what kind of movie it is. And so this is a chance for us to hopefully steer you dear listener. Uh, into, into the things that maybe, you want to see or, yeah. or, you know, to give a pass yep. to the things that you don't want to see. It really is a viewer's guide. That's how I do it. Right. I'm not, and that, you know, and I'm not and trying this to episode, rip on any of these. Cause I, I'm pretty good at avoiding watching things I despise. Yeah. Nobody's um, sending and, and, us out to watch whatever. <laughs> it's true. Yes. We are not, you know, they, we're not getting paid for this. We don't get sent out. Uh, but that's the beauty we, of it. We, I really do. I watched every one of these with the idea in my mind that I that I might like it, that there was at least an even chance that I would. And 
There and you I, go. What have we we said it before? I like movies, so I'm pretty kind we, to things as a reviewer. Actually, I think right, right. Um, and as uh, as we as you will soon uh, find out, movies this are episode, hard, man. Yeah, movies are hard. Stuff but, like uh, Grey's Anatomy, like just you got hours and hours and hours to just t- do the same thing over and over again, and everybody goes on IMDb and they're like nine stars. But some movie like misses the mark a little with them, and they're they just hate it. I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm super annoyed by that phenomena. Movies are hard. It's just two hours. It's all you have. You've got to do a self-contained thing that's satisfying. Mm-hmm. I think people, I think people dismiss just how tricky that is, and and how here's and they don't you know even gonna, try and see what's worthwhile about them. It bums me. Maybe out. I'm going to throw this out there in hopes of remembering it for a future show for a Ryan's video corner. But I would be I would like to have a, a discussion sometime about uh, because of how good and how cinematic television has been able to become over the last 15 years or so 15 20 years how has that changed and is that one of the reasons why um movies don't you know, it, it's harder for for movies to break through or, or where people are super ultra critical where where they maybe weren't before it's because they're used to these massive stories being able to be told over a great length of time and really get to know these characters and so then when you're trying to get to know a character in the course of a 2 hour you know, a, a two hour film, you're like, well, wait, I didn't, that just sort of felt rushed, you know? So let's, let's, let's table that. I want to have a discussion about that. And uh, when we'll get the, we'll get the dinosaurs well, out and have a we little got, Ryan's video we, corner. We start out with very, very character driven films here in our first category. So do you right, have, well, a- let's jump, let's jump right on into it. Uh, this is the uh, what do we call on this? Okay. This is the movie show. <laughs> Okay, I gotta get it clean. I gotta get it clean. This is. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't Just know why either. But I out, feel man. really strongly about it. <laughs> this is the movie show with Joel and Ryan's movie review of 2022 and a little bit of 2021. There we go. It was um, an, uh, an appropriate uh, stinger <laughs> at the end of that particular intro. I have to say. <laughs> Because all right, let's that whatever that was that bird that was not <laughs> celebratory. That thing's going no. down right with that. Yeah, squeal. <laughs> it's certainly either it's either dying or about to kill someone. So mm-hmm. it's it, it works. So either way, it works. Uh, yep. Nice. Um, all right. Uh, first movie up is that movie where uh, the guy who uh, is like a, a children's ch- uh, children's magician and he captures and he captures Obi Wan Kenobi and keeps him a bit him in a basement. Uh, and wait, no, that's a different. No, this is Raymond and Ray. This is Ewan McGregor and Ethan Hawke uh, playing no. half brothers. Um, half brothers Raymond and Ray reunite when their estranged father dies and discover that his final wish was for them to dig his grave. Together, they process who they become as men, both because of their father and in spite of him. Uh, intimate little people movie on Apple TV that no one is going to watch. But despite right. the star power, you can really feel that Ewan and Ewan and Ethan are great together because they're not. They don't have a great screen, like brotherly chemistry. It's quite the opposite. They're completely at odds. They're totally different. They're trying to go through this. They're both trying to cope with feelings about 
a late father that neither of them likes for various different reasons. But yeah. uh, when Ewan, Ewan McGregor's character comes to Ethan's house at, at late one night and asks him to come with him to the funeral, he, he steps up and, and does it, and they hit the road together. And uh, I, the reason I liked it was because this kind of thing is... It, it's usually overcooked in a way that this movie isn't. Like, it, it this is really... Uh, you can... You really just can see the appeal. Ethan Hawke doesn't do just anything. He tries to get himself in this or that sort of high-profile thing just to keep the money coming in, I'm sure, and also to keep his profile as an actor high. But he's a, he's a guy who right. makes really, really odd choices. Um, Ewan, a little different, although kind of the same. You know, Did anybody know there was an Ewan McGregor movie where he played uh, Jesus coming out of the desert at the end of his trials with Satan a few years back? I mean, nobody knows about that movie. It's, nobody knows about that movie. It's really, it's really good. There was a a few more people know about it than used to because there was a there was a story. There was a picture of him like on the poster or the DVD cover, and somebody yeah. gave it to their mom in a frame as an actual picture of Jesus. And <laughs> and then the joke was it was a picture of Obi-Wan Kenobi and they told their mom it was Jesus, but that wasn't quite right. He was actually playing Jesus in the movie. It's kind of funny. That's a fun prank to play on people. And yeah, Hey, yeah, there you go. Might as well. If you're going to hang Jesus on your wall and nobody knows what he looks like, you might as well be a picture of you McGregor. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't right. find the sacrilege in that myself. Uh, but he did. He, so he does a lot of little things that you guys aren't, are not on your radar at all. And this is another one of them. He's great in it. And it, it's got a really interesting supporting cast too. Is What's the name of the actress? Uh, Maribel. Can't remember her name. Come on. Come on, mouse. There we uh, go. Spani Work with me. Spanish actress. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Mirabel Verdu. She's the place, very famously plays the housekeeper in Pan's Labyrinth. She's a genius yes. actor. She gets to really, <laughs> if anyone in this movie gets to just be goofy and just be provocative, it's her and that's fun to watch. Right. But it's really about these guys struggling with very real things and it's very slice of life and it's going to bore a lot of people because there's not a lot of histrionics. And when there is, it's sloppy and sad like real life mm -hmm. is, you know what I mean? But I, I thought... I thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was. Yeah, I really uh, thought it was pretty cool. It's 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 not that they don't make these anymore. It's that yeah. It's, the, it, it's that they. It's hard hard to make them this good, and it, I thought it was pretty good. So yeah, you know, and it's and it's again, you're talking about a movie that here that is about the complex relationship between fathers and sons, um, and uh, as someone who has a complex relationship with his father, uh, it, it it's like. It, boy, you know, in fact, in fact, my brother and I uh, it, both, I mean, my, my I love my brother. We did not get along as kids, but boy, we um, I mean, I the conversations that we have now that we're grown and the it, there's there's similarity in the uh, just when we talk about who we are because of our dad and who we are because we actively tried to do, if not the opposite, but tried to take a different path and and it, and it's really 
Uh, it is a really, com- you know, as as we all know, and we've talked about on the show, male relationships are complicated. And, um, it, it, you know, or I should say relationships between men um, and brothers it can be very complicated. And it's, uh, yeah, it is something that, um, it, it, it is, it, it, you get, it has to be an intimate movie. It has to be, uh, and, and if, and if it's not, and if it's not, yeah, it's not, it's going to completely be false. It's going to completely just be a afternoon movie of the week. So, well, it has that aspect to it as well. <laughs> yeah. well, well I mean, but, it know, has that you, kind of, how do you not? Sim- I mean, simplicity it's, to it, you know, yeah. if that makes any sense, it's a, it's a very low budget thing. It start clearly started mm-hmm. with a script, but that's that's nice change. So mm-hmm. I'm endorsing it to the degree that I can, but it's really just Apple TV's got a couple of stars. They place them on the poster. The guy named I, them the same name, and one has to go by Ray, and the other has to go by Raymond. Right. So they can even tell each other apart, and of course that didn't help. People got confused which was what. Right, and they spend the whole movie. <laughs> I like just that I aspect like, alone. Just follows them mm-hmm. around. Something their dad did before they could even have an original thought of their own. Just screwed them. He saddled way. this. Yeah, he saddled them with this. Um, so all right. it's, it has uh, that meaning right in the title. The frustrations sure. that they go through. All right. Next up, let's move on to uh, everybody's uh, favorite bow hunk. Channing, I don't know if this is where that's a bad transition. Uh, Channing Tatum, um, Channing Tatum in, uh, yeah, no, I, Hey, I'm not proud of it. That was not a good, uh, you know, Hey, that was not a good, uh, he's pretty hunky. Let's face it. And he knows it. He's very hunky and he knows that he is very hunky, but I, there, that's no excuse for me on a show that bears my name and yours. To use the phrase <laughs> Bohunk. Everyone's favorite. I apologize. Bo-hunk. I apologize to the ears of everyone um, on this. Uh, all right. Well, Channing Tatum and a dog a- in a movie called Dog. Uh, two former Army Rangers are paired against their will on the road trip of a lifetime. Briggs, Channing Tatum, and Lulu a Belgian Malinois race down the Pacific coast to get a fellow, get to a fellow soldier's funeral on time. Uh, one of the uh, Lulu in this case is hand. Uh, one of I had many, but one of uh, her handlers is having a military funeral and they're They're going to that, but what they're really, what the mission really is, is to get him down to this uh, facility that handles these dogs. And he's going to be put down because he's, Right. When dogs go through PTSD, we don't. There's a lot you can do with them. They can't really be around people and they absolutely can't be around civilians. So they they put them down. They put them out of their misery. And it's, you know, this film takes the tact that, you know, their adventure together and their connection together bring bring this dog sort of back to back to the world, like they would have said back in Vietnam. Um, and that is very touching when you see that happen. But the the reality we have to face is it, it is a kindness. Uh, when when they when they choose to let go of of these animals yeah, yeah. when they've when they've really been through the horrors of war, and of course 
Uh, one of my favorite movies from a few years back, we talked about it in our dogs episode, Megan Levy. I think that's the greatest military right. dog movie I think you'll ever see. It's one. It's maybe my favorite dog movie of all time. Uh, it's hard to explain how much I love that movie. So this treads on a lot of the same ground to nowhere near as uh, authentic, mm. you know, way as that mm-hmm. film does. That film was based on a true story, very dramatized true story, based but a true story. Incredible true story. A incredible true story nonetheless. This film, while not being anchored to a true story, is able to... um you know, turn on the weep machines and, and push, <laughs> yeah. push, you know what I mean? And push the ah button, like just constantly. Um, that said, really earnest performance by, by Channing, who mostly has to interact with an animal, three different mm-hmm. Lulus, I believe in the film. Um, uh, and that's great. And the story is touching and moving like there is, but it's, that's hard to explain. He's yeah. It, it it yeah, it's hard to explain what I don't like about it. I don't want to it's such a nice film and it this well, was a yeah. film that wasn't supposed to be a big movie and it really it wasn't like a huge movie. It wasn't um, you know, Multiverse of Madness or anything, but it was this was a big hit in the theater and a kind of it a was, surprise yep. hit. It, yeah, and it was uh yeah, and I I I couldn't tell you if it was a hit because uh there it, it got a big ad push um or or did it get a big ad push because because it uh, people because were, it people the were word of mouth and everything yeah. was working. Yeah. It's easy easy but, Hollywood sentimental film about a dog yep. and a soldier. Um a lot of blue collar humor, a lot of trips to different bars and stuff and a lot of that sort of stuff. A lot of um, I'm, I'm, I'm teasing you by, you know, mm-hmm. convincing by, I'm teasing you by like, uh, saying that you're gay, you know, stuff that I don't see in a lot of movies anymore that I think is stupid. There's a lot of that in this right. because it's very mm-hmm. masculine as you'd imagine, but sure. it's, it's, it's well done. I mean, it, it's not, it, I get the appeal. I really do. I sat down. I love a good dog story. I really do. I love dogs. So uh, the dogs in this film are fantastic because they got a lot of, they got a, a lot of heavy lifting because Channing is not, as a character, he's not an open book emotionally. <laughs> right. So the dog really is doing most of that work mm-hmm. and that works. And that's a little bit of a movie miracle. So I, I don't want to be too hard on it just because I, I don't think a lot of it, but I absolutely see why people loved it. And if you're on the hedge, I mean, I'd say go for it. You, what, you know, it, it's not a waste of your time. It passes the time yeah. very, very pleasantly. There's lots of humor in it too, as you can imagine. Nice. Um, all right. Well, I, uh, I my mom I just, and dad I, loved it. Sure. Well, there they you say go. hi, Joel. By the way. Oh, hi, mom, dad. Um, they they don't listen yeah. to the show. They they don't that's, care for the hosts. No, no, not not in this capacity. They like us like when we're you know, like around eating. They like knowing we're out there doing stuff. They just, I think. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, they're speaking very proud of, of us, but that enough to spend this <laughs> amount of time with listening to us every sure. week. Sure. Sure. They know what we're doing and that's good enough. Um, they know that we're out here talking. Um. Well, speaking of bohunks. June Squib is no. 
uh, no. We, next up, we have uh, another little Apple uh, Apple original film. Um, this is uh, Justin Timberlake uh, in a movie directed by Fisher Stevens. Let's give Fisher Stevens some love in a movie called Palmer. Well, we should because um, it's an interesting movie. This movie goes way back. Sorry, this was a yeah, COVID, this, is... this was a COVID movie mm-hmm. that I just got caught up on, and I thought, well, I didn't talk about it two years ago. Well, let's talk about it now. And sure. it helps that it wasn't some big Netflix hit. It's an Apple. <laughs> it's a well-reviewed right. Apple TV movie, which puts which is a niche thing for it to be. So let's talk mm-hmm. about Palmer and, and Justin Timberlake and and. All June Squibb. Jazz. Yep. Yeah, read the um, thingy. I love me some June Squibb. Anyway, it's real quick. Uh, an ex-convict strikes up a friendship with a boy from a troubled home. Yeah, and the boy is um, uh, right out of Free to Be You and Me. He's into dolls, and he's into this girly show with the, has these flying fairy princess things, and he wants to go to school as one of them for uh, for Halloween or just for some dress-up day at school. I don't know. Mm. It's hard to tell. Up here, I can tell when it's Halloween. It, like, down in the south where this takes place, it's like Christmas, Halloween, Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows. It doesn't matter. Um, but it's interesting. Interesting sort of trailer park type of movie. Lots of interesting sort of relationships. An ex-con uh, played by Timberlake. You know, t- t- it's hard. Justin Timberlake, he is not a bad actor by any means. He's no. quite good. No, but he's he, not. But acting's still sort of a side gig for him. And because of that, whenever we see him in something, it's hard not to think of the music superstar that he is. Like, So when he's got the hat on and he grows his facial hair out and he drives a truck and growls at people like... He's doing all of it the way you're supposed to, but it, it really is an issue where the 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 star power gets in the way of the performance. I, I, maybe mm-hmm. it's just me thinking that, but and part of that is because he he disappears into this role. I don't want to say this is the best I've ever seen him, but it's as good as he can be as an actor. Right. This guy's got all kinds of problems. He didn't, you know, he didn't strike up a relationship with this kid. The kid was foisted upon him and the the woman who took him in while he was on parole when his mom in the trailer across the way just left who's a drug addict and his mm. kid just at home not knowing what to do and he's he t- takes care of him for a little bit but he's not meant to be a foster parent he's not even allowed technically to be one in the no, situation yeah. he's in so it's all there's a lot of weight and pressure on this character for that. The, the film makes it's all very natural and believable in the situation. Yet the film makes you feel that this is going to go wrong somewhere for right. somebody or everybody. It's just going to go wrong in a way that they, somebody won't be able to recover from. Whether it's the kid who's fantastic in it, or or it's him, or whatever. Yeah. Um. And the the. The way you get to know somebody that's truly different than you, you know what I mean? Like that's Mm -hmm. that that is so organically happens in this movie without them making a big deal out of it because it is a big deal. It's everything The the nature of this child and this guy, their their natures are really, really important. But 
but that where they where the two people where the two characters are at odds is not over I don't accept your nature or whatever one on one we just got to know each other and we're good it's uh Palmer's a rough and tumble guy and he's really really protective and this this kid's going down a path in this world that he's living in and growing up in that's going to be a challenge it's going to be a challenge for him and yet yeah you know how kids are Joel kids <laughs> Kids are just into what they're into. They're obsessed with what mm-hmm. they're obsessed with. They, you, you can't. I get that you can, and people have, believe me, kept them their true selves inside. A lot of the movies we're talking about this, this uh, go around, sort of include that theme. But this kid hasn't. He he hasn't. He knows he's different, but he hasn't figured out yet that that you know he just he just gets so excited and is so enthusiastic and stuff. It's hard to explain. It's, mm-hmm. it's a neat film. I really liked Palmer, so oh, I decided, cool. well, I'll talk about it even though it's old. Normally, I just like, oop, I missed it. Y'all <laughs> probably know sure. how awesome it is. It got really, really well-reviewed film. I don't know if it's some great it is very, it's Yeah, it's very well received. It was very but well-received. It's, it's uh, really good. Fisher Stevens, you know, yeah, hats off to him. Mm-hmm. I don't, it really got lots of very, you know, got lots of very good reviews, including... A good review from Gordon Eleven. <laughs> what do you say? Uh, okay. Uh, at the danger of making this a Gordon Eleven show, uh, the headline Why is Why not? I guess uh, the headline is very engaging, and he says this is an engaging film about a felon and a boy who's different. The characters are developed and makes you care about them a lot. So engaging. Thank you, Gordon. No, thanks, Gordon. Very, That's I mean, I we yeah. might be teasing him for his signature style of writing reviews, but he pretty yeah. much nails it, and he and I agree about ninety percent of the time. So, <laughs> anytime you want to read Gordon's reviews, by all means, get him on the show, and Listen, hopefully, we just I, don't have to pay him residuals or anything. That I should, I should, I should reach out to this person. I mean, he's literally reviewed. Uh, what? what let's says bad shear. He's literally he's reviewed over five thousand uh, movies on IMDb. He's been an IMDb member for twenty two years. So uh, yeah, good old Gordon. Um, let's move on from Palmer. We are, to, we tease uh, him a little, but we I love his no. reviews. I really love him. It's, I no, it, I, we tease because it, he does have that entry. He just tickles the first us. time I read it. It's the first time I read his reviews. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. Boy, that was great. Uh, anyway, let's go to the whimsical world of Bergman Island. Um, <laughs> a couple, <laughs> a couple retreat to the Island that inspired Ingmar Bergman to write screenplays for their upcoming films. When the lines between reality and fiction start to blur. <laughs> My favorite uh, line in, in uh, Bergman Island. Cause I'm not a big Bergman fan. Sorry, I'm dodging the stuff mm. you cinematic people are throwing at me right now. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I am, and I'm not. It's hard to explain. I, 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 I have a real appreciation for what he is and stuff, but I, I can't. There's a line in it. It comes late in the film, so spoiler alert, I guess, for Bergman Island. But with this guy, who's it's too complicated to explain his role in the thing. 
But he says, you know, he's basically doesn't these these couple are on Bergman Island because they love Bergman and they're doing the tour and they're looking at all the places he wrote this or did that or that they shot this or that or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and this guy says to him, the guy who's not there for that reason says, uh, but knows Bergman <laughs> can't not where he's at. And he says, that, you know, there's more out there than just what's up your own ass is what he says. And to me that, <laughs> to me that sums up Bergman's storytelling style pretty well, actually, or at least the part that alienates me from it. There is more there to life go. than what's up your own ass. And it's, and, and yet, you know, a lot of our celebrated filmmakers, like it, it they, they're, you know, they do tell the same story over and over and over again. You know, maybe not yeah. in the same way or the details change, but a lot of my favorite filmmakers do that. I think Bergman just, he just goes back a little ways and it's a little tougher for me to, I, I, there's not a single film of his I can fully wrap my arms around. But you don't need to know anything about Bergman to, to enjoy this movie, which is really, really nice. So it's a little clever trick. And another thing I found out about Bergman Island that kind of amazed me was that, uh, I can't remember the actor who they had cast that had to drop out right as COVID well, was about to hit. <clears throat> I mean, it was originally uh, Greta Gerwig and John Turturro. Right. And then uh, then Gerwig dropped out and got replaced by the person who's playing it. Her name is uh, Vicky Crapes. Uh, yes, yeah. Vicky. She's and, a really good actor. Yeah. And then uh, it was supposed to be Owen Wilson. And then Owen Wilson had to drop out. And, so they uh, shot the entire movie with Vicky Cripps, all her scenes, and then yeah, any, they cast Tim that was, Roth, yeah. who shot all his scenes and... like a year later. <laughs> yep, it's weird. Yep, that's that's weird. And when you, I, I, and I wish I probably shouldn't have told you that, except that's a fascinating thing to know about it. And when I was watching it, I couldn't get my mind off of that, like. Well, this is a year later, and that's a year later. Mm -hmm. Well, you can see how they did this, and boy, she's outdoors a lot, and he's indoors a lot, and whenever he's outdoors, <laughs> they're not together. Like there was just all this stuff where I kept thinking, "Well, that's, that's weird." Yep, it's an intellectual thing about two intellectuals experiencing an intellectual type vacation about a very up his own ass filmmaker and i don't know how many people that's going to appeal to but it's it's very clever and interesting the only, if there's anything bad about it from a conventional sense i would just say that it not there's not much happening in it it really is what it sounds like there's no mm -hmm. there's no other shoe that's about to drop there's no scandal that's going to happen there's no thing that would normally compel you to make the story the it's the clever idea in and of itself and it really is these people and and how they're inspired by this stuff to sort of deal with their own internal issues and that's i found it pretty interesting matter of fact i was stunned at how interesting i found it mm. so that's why it's here but it, it's not for everybody it just <laughs> but if you consider yourself an intellectual I mean, honestly, I, some people do, some people don't. I, I don't consider myself an intellectual. I wish I was sometimes when I bump into the right sort. I'm always like, man, mm -hmm. I wish I was as smart as that. And I have an analytical mind, but it it doesn't it's not awesome, you know, compared to actual. Here's what I'll say. I'm told 
I, I don't ever believe that I'm an intellectual, but I'm told that I'm an intellectual, and maybe that's what makes me an intellectual. I, I think <laughs> that's who this is for. It's for really yeah. smart people who want to watch something really smart and don't care if it's not super emotionally engaging because it isn't it just isn't that that's not what it's meant to be it's got fun mm -hmm. disco in it cool disco scene I mean, there you go that's something. well that's worth something yeah. um all right let's move on to uh another tom burke sighting oh. uh tom burke who well, uh, i love tom burke he's awesome. yeah well he's back in with ruth wilson in true things yeah which is uh, Tom Burke's great in True Things because he gets mm -hmm. what his part is. It's that's True Things is all of all Ruth Wilson's. It's the Ruth Wilson show. Um, she just plays a mousy sort of English woman who works in a civil servant job. Uh, she comes late too much and she gets in trouble for that. But she basically does an okay job and and kind of wanders emptily through life. Mm -hmm. The poster is fantastic. It's of her wearing this dress that's the same pattern as the wallpaper behind her. So she's yeah. just barely there. And that's the kind of person we're talking about. And then all of a sudden, this uh, another ex-convict uh, shows up in her office, asks her out for a date. She figures, what the hell? She gets wrapped up in this guy's life. And of course, and everything falls apart because of it. But it's not one of those movies where where the everything is like a, it's not like a crime drama or anything this is a again it's like all these films it's this very intimate simple story about a very very real person more much more real than we're used to seeing in our cinema and the things that the way her life falls apart it, it happens in a very real way it's not mm -hmm. a suspense thriller or i had to put it in that category she just she just it's she doesn't fall for this guy very easily either she's very cautious with herself about him but he his her interactions with him just change her she's not a satisfied person she's she's it's almost like she's been waiting for something to come along to be an excuse to act out a little bit hmm. um yeah yeah that might attracts and then she can although the relationships just is such isn't a good one really either. Mm -hmm. So how do you navigate that? And then where are you at the end of the story? Tom, Tom Burt's fantastic in it, but he just, I mean, he, he's one of those characters where he just like you, the camera turns and then it, he just appears there. You know, he's like one of those magical creatures. And even though, yeah, you yeah. know, he's bad news from the get go, he's not that bad. He's just a really worthless boyfriend. <laughs> Yeah, he, you okay. know, he's a kind of guy who, you know, shows up and then you have a big fight and then you make up and then he's got to go. And oh, can he use your car? Sure. <laughs> and then the car is just gone for like 14 days <laughs> until you see him again and you had to go find him. And then you're like, oh, where's boy. the car? And he's like, oh, yeah, that's so and so. You, you know, he's, and then he's like, why are you hounding me about it? Yeah, exactly. I thought we talked about this. You said it was okay to take the car. You know, it it is yeah. it Tom Burke in a really small role that could be totally obnoxious is dazzling. And Ruth Wilson is Ruth Wilson. I mean, I, what else is there to say about her? She's yeah, so she's... effing good at everything she touches. And this part had to appeal because she's 
she's usually out in the you know the high 80s Mm-hmm. As far as melodrama and as far as big performances go, and she's great at that stuff. But this is a tiny little, very internalized performance, and she's just fantastic in it. And so I, I again, hard to recommend this because it's not really trying to entertain you. I, none of these films mm-hmm. in this category are. They don't now, this care. Isn't, uh, they don't care th- if you're watching. It's like they're happening anyway. Watch yep. or don't watch. Oh, they don't care. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, um here would you agree with now this isn't gordon but this uh this headline this i'm not going to read the review but the headline uh intrigued me best consumed if you have life experience (laughs) yeah i know what that means yeah what it sounds like to me is teenagers are going to hate it and i would totally agree with that it's an adult movie no doubt but I don't. Um, I I haven't had any of those experiences. I mean, I don't know. I know what it's like to get reamed out by my boss over being late, and I I, I know what it is to have a friend who's who I really need in my life, who still annoys me and is overprotective of me or whatever. Like I get all that. So I, it, it you do want to live a little mm-hmm. to like it to like it, but that alone won't be enough. <laughs> you know? Right. You got to like this kind of weird you know, intimate little thing in the first place to like it. So, uh, all right. Next up is, uh, a movie that is, um, solidly on my boy. I, I just, I should get around to watching this. Um, cause it has like so many of my favorite performers, Ray Fiennes, Jessica Chastain, Matt Smith. It's the forgiven. Uh, the forgiven, is a film that needs you to watch it because of the actors that are in it. And I got to tell you that this, the forgiven. Wow. I forgot I was even going to be talking about this one. Um, well, here, let me read, let me read, let, let me read while well, you collect your thoughts. The plot synopsis is a fatal accident disrupts the lives of Western visitors to a lavish party in the high Atlas mountains of Morocco and will ultimately lead to a reckoning in the desert. Matt Smith plays a gajillionaire who has who one of his cottages is out in the middle of uh, what where what country are they in? Morocco. 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 So uh, not entirely, but basically an Arab country. Uh, although a very Western friendly one, it's still weird that you know that an English guy would would just want to live there. It's just unusual. And of course, he doesn't live in Morocco at all. His house is made of Morocco, Moroccan architecture, and his servants are all Moroccan. But he just lives in. He just brought civilization with him out in the desert, essentially. And one of his friends from school, or they, I think they all went to school together, is the thing. So is it like the big chill in that way? No. <laughs> um, Ray Fiennes plays a king. I don't. It just. Uh, unforgivably crass and cynical bastard. Like you just hate Mm. his guts as soon as he comes on the screen and Jessica Chastain, his wife plays someone who's not much better. She's really only better by direct comparison to him. she, (laughs) She at least finds his lack of diplomacy and, or, or censorship annoying like we do. Um, because of this fatal incident that happened, I guess I won't really just get into what that is, but uh, their weekend in the Moroccan desert 
take two radically different paths. Um, one of them has to go off and deal with this thing. It didn't have to do it because it was an accident, a fatal accident, but it really was an accident. Um, but it's considered the right thing to do culturally where he is. Um, and, and so that's a, a soldier. That's a weird journey into a place that they, these people never thought that they would be. And the other person's journey is much more superficial and self, uh, self, uh, uh, absorbed. What's the word I use all the time? I'm not, I'm not, uh, it is self-absorbed. That's right. But it's, there's a great word for it. I'm not, uh, aggrandizing. Yeah. Yeah. That works too. Uh, I'm not uh, self self ish. Yes. Yes. Very, <laughs> very selfish. You know, <laughs> I'm no um, help at this point. <laughs> no, they're all, they're all, you're all correct. It's just not what I was thinking. Um, <laughs> uh, it self indulgent. Was it worth there it? There we go. Oh, I hey, audience, you decide if that last 30, 40 seconds was worth it to get to the right word, but it is <laughs> indulgent. Self indulgent. Um, the whole thing is the whole party is meant for people to indulge themselves. There's lots of funny bits of humor. Um, again, if you're really smart, I don't know, you want to hang out in the desert with a bunch of rich people. I mean, I, I found this, I matter of fact, halfway through this movie is like, this movie just mm -hmm. disgusts me. What is this movie? I hate this. Like I hate mm -hmm. being around these people, Ugh. but it also surprised me mightily and mm -hmm. I'm not used to being surprised. It's not a formula film, you know, and, and I recommended it to another person who likes the same kind of movies as me. And he thought it was awesome. So, so there's an audience for it out there, but you just, I, it's, it's a film that comes with a big warning stamp, just dark cynicism, you know, and, mm -hmm. and where, and where it isn't that, it is horrifically tragic and awful. So that's what you're in for, uh, a horrifically tragic, awful sandwich with a super darkly cynical and evilly comic, uh, you know, bread or whatever you put on the outside. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Maybe it's a roll. Maybe sure. it's a in this case. Um, all right. Well, I, it, it, I will be watching it because I, I love them. Uh, anyway, uh, next up is good luck to you, Leo Grand. <laughs> or is it Leo Grande? Uh, I, I, I watched that. the whole uh, thing, but it was a while <laughs> back. It was during Sorry, uh, Thanksgiving break. So, mm -hmm. and I, I, I don't think they say Leo's last name very often. Leo sure. Grand, let's say, is what it is. There you go. Is sure. a non de plume for a male gigolo. And a, uh, well, I guess I'll let you read the synopsis. Uh, Nancy Stokes, Emma Thompson, is a retired school teacher. And she's yearning for some adventure, 
and some sex. And she has a plan which involves hiring a young sex worker named Leo Grand. This is a play, basically. This is a one set. I guess it's mm-hmm. three sets technically, but the, the it's a once it's a hotel room that they meet in mm-hmm. regularly. That's where the whole thing happens. So just be warned, very it's not stagey. It feels very real and very, you know what I mean? But it's it's a it's a one location film and it's an episodic one location film so very much like a play to me but uh again this is this is this category is called on the road to and from recovery and it really is about people finding their way back to uh you know self-realization that brings them back to where they want to be in life or or going way 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 the other way this is the former so it's in that way it's a feel-good movie but these people Mm -hmm. these people are really different and as in any movie that's worth a damn where a person and a prostitute end up with a complex relationship after they've been business partners in that it it it's problematic to say the least um and uh, and so that this is too, but again, I don't, what's the name of the young man? Obviously Emma Thompson in this role is, is fantastic. And yeah, yeah. the sex in this is explicit. It is a movie about a sex worker and it's, it's stunning how brave that part of the thing is. I'm, I'm not, I, you've heard me, me, like, I don't even, I don't even want to see like boobs as a joke in an eighties comedy. And right. Flips me out and, gets me all riled up but this is this is what this film is and it's 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 not shying away from it it is taking it head on and i so internally i think that's interesting that 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 that's a part of it it has to be and externally taking a step out of this being involved just being involved in the story because it's a good story you know looking at these performers and how they went about this and how the whole production team and everybody must have it just was a it had to have been a huge deal the hugest deal about the thing mm-hmm. what's the guy's name who plays leo daryl uh oh i just had it daryl mccormick uh relative i mean he's been in stuff but he relatively mm-hmm. unknown compared to emma thompson and he's very much her equal in this in this uh performance he's he's uh he teats more linear emotionally than she is. She's such a good actor that she, she's, yeah. you know, she's just so good that she's always doing things a little differently and, and making a little more different choices. But again, that's that contrast is what makes the thing sing. It's very, very good film, but very sexually explicit. Um, and, but we could say very, sex positive. It's very sex positive. Well, yeah, but I don't think overall it's a positive movie. It's hard to explain. Um, what's well, I just mean like they don't shy away from discussions about sex. Sex isn't something that people should be ashamed of in this film. Oh no, 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 no. Uh, nor yeah, is it something I mean. that it feels exploitative at all. But yeah, yeah. nevertheless, explicit. So, yeah, it's not a film about exploitation. It's just these two people very willingly getting together in this way with each other. So, but I, I just, I feel like you want to know that going in it, it, mm-hmm. you know, the, they, I don't know how to, it's a complicated film, so I don't know how you sell it, but the, 
the people who had this film, is it Amazon that has the exclusive rights or is it Paramount or something? I can't remember who it is. Right uh, on the poster. Uh, uh, Hulu, Hulu, Hulu. Hulu, uh, so, okay, the other one. Yep. <laughs> the one I didn't say. Yep. Uh, but yep. okay, Hulu. Yeah, a, a fo- like a Fox Searchlight Hulu type project. And mm-hmm. it's good, but it it it's it's good. I, probably these days, and you guys, you're not as uptight as me. The sex probably won't bother you. It's the, is this it? They're just... You know what I mean? Just two people in a mm-hmm. room the whole movie. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what this, ca- <laughs> yep. that's what this category is to some degree. There's a bit of scope to uh, a little bit to Bergman Island because they really do go to the place and that place has character. And there's quite a bit of scope to um, the one we just talked about with Rafe and, and Jessica. Was yeah, the forgiven. the forgiven. Yeah, The Forgiven. It's a pretty generic title, but but it fits the project so but this is back to what like what what uh what these other ones were talking about it's very very simple and intimately told thing well very cool um next up in this category is uh is the novice um a college freshman joins her university's rowing team and undertakes an obsessive physical and psychological journey to make it to the top varsity boat no matter the cost okay uh, this i'll just bring him up he doesn't listen to the show but a buddy of mine he's my buddy even though i don't really know him and i'm not sure i even know his name but we a matter of fact i know that i can't think of it right now uh he's the guy who manages the holiday station store near where i work and we give each other movie recommendations i don't know how this started I really don't know how it started because I never said, oh, I'm super into movies or something. I just, but it happened and I find it delightful. And he's recommended a couple cool movies to me. And I recommended this movie to him. And he basically call, said this movie was um, whiplash except for women on a rowing team. And the next time I saw him, I go, you know, I thought about what you said about uh, the novice. And I'm like, it is kind of like whiplash. <laughs> Except mm-hmm. it's a chick on a rowing team, except the antagonist and the protagonist are the same person. <laughs> um, That's an important distinction yeah. from what Whiplash yeah, yeah. is, where the torture aspect of the thing is coming from an outside source. Um, our hero in The Novice is driven to obsession about everything this is just it's just part of her makeup there's this fantastic story when she's with a girl that she's dating and she they're at a bar or something and they're telling this story about how she was competing with this guy who was smarter than her in this class and she just wanted to beat him just wanted to had to beat him at something but she was never going to be as smart as him she admits that no no he's smarter than me and and her girlfriend keeps saying and and then you beat him and she's like no and then she tells another thing, and then yeah. you beat him. No, but and this thing that pattern like repeats itself five or six times until finally she gets to a point where she she got the same scores, <laughs> and she spent her whole like junior year of high school obsessing about this and not being social and not doing anything because she just believes she's a person that has to work at stuff to mm-hmm. get there. And she joins her college rowing team as a freshman. As a, that's what they're literally called, novices. You're joining the team and you're on the team at whatever level we can put you at. Um, yeah. But you've never d- 
done this before. And that's that sport in particular. A lot of people aren't on their high school rowing teams because most high schools don't have rowing teams. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a very, I don't know where they shot it. It feels like it was shot in Canada or something, but it was, it's a very rainy sort of new England upper class college that she's at. And her obsession with making, you know, first team and rowing and just, just beating her time and killing it uh, completely takes over her life and in not a healthy way, not a remotely healthy way. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that sounds fun to you. It put me through the <laughs> ringer. I mean, it, it really yeah. did. And so in that way, I, I, I enjoyed the experience of it because I got into it. And because mm-hmm. the actor, uh, what's her name? She's a fantastic actor. I just clicked away from it just to look at another thing real quick. Uh, Isabel Furman. Isabel Furman, who, uh, who you know as the evil uh, foster child who's not even a child in the orphan films. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about her a little bit back in the Halloween episode because she, it's, Again, she played she played an adult in Orphan when she was like twelve, and now she's twenty two and she's trying to play people who think she's a twelve. Basically, play the exact same character in which she's a completely different person, and she pulls that off. She's a remarkable performer, really, really incredible. The Orphan movies are absolutely corny, melodramatic. They're they're not even really horror movies. They're more like suspense movies but they're crazy over the top and they definitely have their violent moments but what they really have is that creepy core performance by this uh kid who's just game to do whatever um i also love isabel Furman unabashedly in um the hunger game she plays uh oh yeah she i can't remember the name of the character but super cool character clove clove right cloves mm-hmm Close Diabolical from District 2, I believe. Um, she it, it's just it's so little screen time, and she just makes that character come to life. Every second you see her, she's doing something awesome that is going to make everything she does later more meaningful. And uh, it's just a very, very impressive performance to me. So she's the star of this thing. That's why I came to it, because I'm like, ooh, I read the description. It has this pretty crappy online poster which is just her like in the water or whatever but there's this brilliant poster of the rowing thing shot from above and it it just looks great and the description sounded interesting and isabel Furman, and 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 for your streaming dollar it's a good deal it'll take you on a trip it's it's really good deal i dug it it is available on Showtime if you have Showtime. So I, um, you know, again, I, I don't know if I loved it or whatever, but I, it was. This is really. Uh, this was intense, and a lot of these aren't mm-hmm. intense. They're very simple and whatever. This is simply told and amazingly edited. Whoever edited this and the woman, young woman who directed it, I think it's one of her first films directing. Like they're Lauren, yeah, Lauren Hathaway. This team is going to go on and make something of themselves. The filmmaking on display, unlike most of these, where the filmmaking is, to be fair, deliberately taking a back seat to the, the human story. Mm-hmm. This this film goes for it in a cinematic way. Well, it nails it. Let's well, let's give credit here because uh, the credited editors are Lauren Hathaway and Nathan Nugent. So I mean, this is someone who you you know wrote this, directed it, edited it. This was something that 
clearly she knew exactly what this movie was supposed to it's look a like. very small film that cost a handful of nickels and it just the amount of love and care that went into the crafting of it is is amazing so for that's the i guess secrets out that's mm-hmm. probably why i really loved it because i love something that's cinematic and i love especially these days i, I just love something that has style to it and yeah and you gotta admit it's got style. Yep. Uh, well, speaking of Hunger Games and speaking of small little movies. It's that, not pleasant, uh, though. I mean. No. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, if it's got that vibe, if it's got the <laughs> vibe that makes someone think of Whiplash. Yeah, it's, it's not. The, yeah, it, it's the cinematic equivalent. It's obsession mm-hmm. on screen and all the. Yeah. yeah. All, everything that goes with it. You, everyone, you get to triumph with her every once in a while, but mostly th- when there's no satisfying you. Mm-hmm. you'll see all right well let's move on to uh jennifer lawrence in causeway uh we're back to mm-hmm. quiet tiny little films with great big giant movie stars <laughs> yep um uh, a u.s soldier suffers a traumatic brain injury while fighting in afghanistan and struggles to adjust to life back home yeah i talked i think my a fair deal about a lot of these films and this one makes me sad because i kind of don't know i don't know what to say about it, it it's it's mm. it's um because it just to get into the plot just isn't the thing at all and yet it doesn't really have a premise like ray and raymond where we can really talk about thematically what it is this person is in a bad place and needs 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 help to -hmm. find her way back but she doesn't really want help so it's all that it's just it's a frustrating exercise in watching somebody who's psychologically complex and maybe doesn't even know why she's doing this or that do this or that you know what i mean it's a really fascinating story jennifer lawrence really really good of course Uh, that's not news but um but this kind of thing this she did this deliberately because she wanted to do something very small and she wanted to do a character you know she first hit the scene it wasn't her first movie but her first film that she was asked to carry was winter's bone and winter's bone Mm -hmm. is the greatest maybe the greatest southern gothic film of all time it is so good in every way that you would want a movie like that to be and yet it same thing it's this it's this very small little thing that's very simply done, and this—that's what Causeway is too. Um, is there is there anyone out there who'd have like a word that might perfectly sum this up, Joel? Causeway. Uh, what, I was what hoping mean, with maybe the, with Gordon the word Levin? Causeway. Yeah, no, Gordon. Oh, here's what I was saying. <laughs> Here with me. I don't know if you saw me chuckle a little bit. I there did. was uh, okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> this uh hold on uh i, I gotta did. find it and again. this that was my way of asking you what oh uh, no funny. unfortunately it was not it was not uh gordon huh. it was somebody else that says um uh oh yeah cat katniss discovering a strong love for swimming pools <laughs> there you go look uh, yeah. if 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 uh if that review sounds like something you would write, you should not watch Causeway. If that review sounds really trite and annoyingly smug and shitty and dismissive for no reason, then you should watch Causeway. That review really sort of did some things up for us. 
Here's what I will say: it was shot in 185.1, so that's that gets something. Yeah, one. We haven't, well, talk, we haven't, not, we haven't yeah. talked about. I just don't. I, I sorry. I just scrolled by and I realized we haven't talked about aspect ratio yet in this episode. So it's shot in the plainest, <laughs> most common aspect ratio of our day. Maybe not for movies, but it's shot in the same aspect ratio one eight five one or one or its cousin one seven eight one, which is what the the shape of your TV is. Unless you still have your TV from nineteen ninety one, then. Then you're still rocking the Academy ratio, baby. Good job. Well, there you go. Good on you. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to our final movie in the category of Road to and from Recovery. And that is uh, The Good House. Par- reuniting Sigourney Weaver and Kevin Kline uh, together. Um, uh, life. Uh, Ice Storm? Oh, yeah. And I, yeah. Um, oh God, when you say what were they in together, it makes me question everything I know. In not life. well, okay, yeah. no, I no, still that, no, is, that is correct. Yeah, yeah, um, like, oh, oh my God, am I wrong? What am I thinking? It's Jane just Austen show all over. I just again. didn't think of this um, as a, <laughs> I didn't think of this as like a reunion of them from something no, else. No, but. no, no, I, I just know they, they're they're paired together again, and that's all I mean in this. Um, life for a New England realtor, Hildy Good, begins to unravel when she hooks up with an old flame of hers from New York based on Anne Leary's The Good House. Uh, so Anne Leary wrote a novel, it's nice segues nicely into our next category, um, who, uh, that's a first person novel. So this movie's interesting. Those of you watching Enola Holmes or something, there was a joke that came out where Enola, what's that actor's name from Stranger Things and all that? Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah, Millie. She was made a big joke on when she was doing the press deal for Enola where she was like, I'm worried when we get back to the final season of Stranger Things that I'm going to start looking at the camera and talking to it. Like it, I've been doing that for months and it just feels like I'll be breaking the fourth wall or whatever. This film uses the same technique, which it, cinematically is weird. Um, it mm-hmm. There's a lot of movies that do it. Ferris Bueller, you know, there's all kinds of them. So it's not that weird. You'll, you'll adjust, but, but it's, it, that makes it a different kind of story. Um, but I think it's a great way to take a first-person novel, especially one with an unreliable narrator, and and um, and put it on screen. So it's it's cool. She's a she's a yeah she's a realtor on a like a a little island or whatever, and she's the yep. only realtor really. And so she's got all these problems. She's got a competing realtor that has shown up that used to be, that she used to mentor. She's got all kinds of other issues. She's got, a, uh, she drinks way too much. She, there's a really funny interventions. <laughs> like we've all seen a lot of intervention scenes in films, but imagine an intervention scene where the person, uh, they're intervening upon can, can break and look at the camera and tell us what they're thinking. And I mean, that's something new and it was mm-hmm. a really, really fun way to experience that scene. Um, but it's a good character movie. She's a very believable character, even though it's very, very theatrical the way she is narrating the thing for us. Klein is fantastic in it and they do have real chemistry. So obviously they knew can each I, other from before. Can I also done. mention it's because also they were in one of my favorite dumb movies, Dave. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't. And they were oh, really God. in Dave together. 
But yeah, so that's, it makes sense that they, I mean, they clearly, I mean, well, it's Kevin Klein and uh, Sigourney Weaver. They're two pretty good actors. They are, but Sigourney is like this. Princess of Hollywood and is, does everything. And Kevin Klein's like, what the hell is he going to do when he shows up? Kind yeah. of actor. Um, yep. So it is. <laughs> So they've had somewhat different paths, but they're great. Yeah, Dave. Dave's fantastic. Um, I love that movie. Someday we'll do um, a Dave deep dive. Or oh. go back and listen to our President's episode, ladies and gentlemen, where we talk about President, what's his name? Bill Mitchell. I believe, it, yeah. I believe Bill was the only Republican president to make our list. I believe you are correct. Does that show our bias? Look, it's a... Six star movie, six out of ten, based on a decent, probably decent novel that I didn't read. Sigourney Weaver in every scene and talking to the camera gets gets it a whole nother star up to seven. It's been so long since we've seen Sigourney in something because she's been doing Avatar sequels for right. so long that that just her back. She did a whole bunch of little movies came out this year with Sigourney Weaver in them <laughs> um, or these past couple of years, because finally she's not doing avatar and they just start spitting these little two and a half month projects out one after another. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was one of the best ones. And it, if you're a fan of her, you got to see it. Um, if you're a fan of Clevin Klein, totally skippable. Uh, if you really like, I don't know what, I don't, I don't know what to compare it to it. It, if you love real estate, if you uh, if you're a big fan of house hunters, it's, um, it's got some of those interesting aspects in it, um, and it's got a fun cast. Uh, Marina Baccarin shows up in it, and a whole bunch of other people. It's like it's got a really good supporting group of people who who do a really nice job. This and that. So, well, very cool. Um, all right, well, let's move on to our next category that you and you so rightfully said it uh, segues so nicely. You should be warned, though. It, it really does look like old people romantic comedy on the poster, and that is it not, does that is not it, what it is. It, that is just not what it is. It isn't that. So be be a little cautious. Don't don't go to it for that reason. Would be okay. Nice. All right, now we're moving on. Okay. To best our best selling novel category, uh, best we're selling sl- novels Woo-hoo! based on the best selling novel. Some might say ripped from the headline, uh, ripped from the best selling novel. I don't know. Um, first up is I don't know either, Redeem. Joel. Sometimes I yeah. just don't know what no, you're getting up to does. over there. Play that eagle screaming again. That was fun. There it is. All right. Redeeming love sold into pro. Oh boy. Just this just goes right into it. Sold into prostitution as a child. Angel knows nothing but betrayal. Can her heart ever be mended based upon the novel by Francine rivers? Uh, and written partly and the screenplay was partly written by her as well. So yeah. And directed by, uh, DJ Caruso. Yeah, who made Disturbia and um, Eagle Eye, and he's made a lot of sort of slick Hollywood things that aren't the biggest movies in the world, but aren't small movies either. And he's a very competent director. Um, uh, This movie tricked me. This movie tricked me. This is a faith-based movie. And because it tricked me, I'm, I'm I'm going to bring it I'm going to drag it onto the show and I'm going to punish it. And this doesn't happen very often on the movie. So get excited. Everybody. No, no, 
Well, here we go. So Redeeming Buckle Love up. is a terrible movie, and it's super long. And it it starts with a woman sold into prostitution, and it has a very sort of Little House on the Prairie feel to it, other than that it's about a prostitute. But don't worry, they just dress like prostitutes. You don't see them doing anything ever. Like, there's no, they're not engaging with that part of life, other than just, you know, saloon prostitution life. Uh... You know, this is, it, and then this guy comes along, and I can't believe this movie is written by a woman, because I can't believe a woman would write this, but he comes along, and he goes, the first thing he does, he goes into the church, and he prays to God that the things he wants in life will come to him, and then he goes out, and as he's standing in the street, there's this prostitute walking down the street, clearly a prostitute, with a bunch, with a couple other prostitutes, and he says, oh my God, what's, who, he says to the person next to him, who's that? Or what's her name or whatever. And he tells her, oh, that's, you know, I don't know her effing name. And I, Joel doesn't even have to tell you. It's not important. Not an important part of the story. Uh, I'm that's, sure it's, uh, it's, no, no, it, it's Angel. Oh, sorry. That's Angel the prostitute. It's, it's Angel. Yeah. I wonder and what he, a group and of he just smiles from ear to ear and says, the Lord works in mysterious ways. And of course he thinks he's just love at first sight with this woman that's a prostitute that he was just praying about that he would be able to meet up with. And then he, then he goes to her, you know, as a client, but doesn't sleep with her and tries to convince her to go off to get married and live on a farm with them, which I assume they, they do at some point. Well, oh. well that, and that's the redeeming love. That, so I'm not going to go any further into this stupid movie than that. Um, I'm not against faith-based movies necessarily, but the, but but just you, this premise is that this guy he didn't he didn't need a prostitute he didn't go to a prostitute um, and then fall in love with her and then you know want to help her or whatever he spot he spotted her on the street and because she was good looking he decided that's it I want that that's just starting at that point makes the everything that comes after completely unacceptable. <laughs> and I don't know how anyone can't see that. I There's a lot of people online who are like, oh, this is so romantic or whatever. Okay, cool. If you like faith-based weepy romance with a period touch to it, the film's super well shot and well made and the costumes are great and the wagons look good and the horses behave themselves. Like there's nothing wrong with that. You know, the the romantic story in the with the Western trappings is fine. It's shot by a guy who knows how to make movies. But that that that's not that's not cool. That's not cool what just what you just did there. Oh. And then you just barge into her life and just are like you're coming with me. And then on the third time she tells you no, you get all pissed at her. It's like I this is the guy whose love's gonna redeem the prostitute? Or is it gonna be the other way around? In its defense, it gets a little more complicated than that. Thank God. That we have God to thank. But the rest of this, it's not doing right by God. It's not doing right by romance. It's not doing right by prostitutes. Like, it's just pooping all over everything. And it's like, I can't, I can't, oh I can't imagine God. a dumber, more frustrating, more wrongheaded story to be told. And... And I own it now. It's over here. So maybe we'll have a contest. Oh, and, uh... yeah. Yeah. And the loser gets that movie. <laughs> I'm oh, really good man. at avoiding movies that I'm going to hate. You know, I. Yeah. I, I, and, oh. you, I, and 
be warned. It's I, I'm not really into faith based stuff where like the fireman learns that family is the most important thing. Like it's just it's not that they, I don't think that's nice, but it's just it's just really crappy movies. They're really really badly made. This movie's different. It's really well made, and the story is just absolutely intolerable from the get go. So the novel that everybody it was a absolutely was a best selling novel. Millions of copies <laughs> of this thing was read. Um, it starts there. I mean, that's really the problem. I get why they wanted to make a few pennies out of it, but someday we're going to do a, uh, not a faith-based show so much, but it, although there are a couple of faith-based companies involved that we're going to do, a like these modern sort of biblical films, because I like biblical movies like a lot, like, just like I like Roman movies or anything else. You know, I like going back in time to weird places and experiencing, exotic locales and all that and i like I, I you know that time period is ripe with that as you can imagine not to mention that the bible's got a bunch of pretty cool stories in it but redeeming love it's a faith it's faith-based turd city and oh boy you know now if you guys out there if anybody is, watches yeah. that stuff you guys maybe you don't maybe this is just howling at the wind but if there's a good movie that's that style of movie, because even the ones that are just slightly that, you know, what's the one uh, where the girl dies and comes back and has been to heaven? Heaven is for real, and oh, yeah. just, Jesus is real, and I have him in the God's, truck or whatever. It's God's just, not dead. <laughs> they're so they're just it's so stupid and i yeah i'm really frustrated by them and and i'm frustrated that i got tricked into watching one and i'm frustrated mm. that if it had just told this story in a halfway decent way that was true to humanity and not just a stupid like evangelical fantasy then you know you could have had something here that i even well, would like you know so and here's here's the thing. I'm scrolling through some of the reviews, praying that Gordon Eleven had something to say about it. But it looks no. like uh, Gordon he knows Gordon better. hasn't gone to this. Yeah, Gordon Gordon was steered clear. But um, you know, and and when you have a uh, a faith based book and you're going to make it into a uh, into a movie, uh, this is one you're getting. Um, what I'm reading here is. If you don't make it faith-based enough, it's going to piss everybody off. Yeah. And if you try to make it appeal to a middle ground, uh, then they're going to hate it. So, uh, you know, yeah. So and then they're, get, then they're for nobody. Yeah. I, yeah. The people, the people who want faith, these want these stories that, that just reaffirm their confirmation bias, right. the people uh, who then who they're the not going to enjoy this used multiple times in dog, like ruined the whole thing for them. That's mm -hmm. who this movie's for, but grow up. That's all I can say. I mean, grow up. If this is the kind of thing it is, and I, we all watch terrible movies. We all watch stupid movies that pander to our beliefs Mm -hmm. And so I get it. It's not it, it, poor evangelicals are not the only ones that are that live in the their bubble. But grow up. This is yep. this is this film is treating you like a like a poor little baby who just needs to have everything fed to you carefully and have your little cheek and your little dimples wiped carefully after each little spoonful of sugar that you're given and 
grow up. I mean, that's you, you can't. Yeah. Nothing's gonna come. Nothing good is gonna come of that, and it's not gonna help you connect with people. It's it's just gonna it's gonna make you just object to everything that's out there. It's just miserable. Yeah. I hated it. Oh, all right. Well, let's move on. I hated it. Su- and you know what? Michael Landon someplace too, and he's as he's as faith based as you're gonna find. But he's mm-hmm. he was a good storyteller, and he is rolling over in his grave when you make crap like this. Right. And this, that's who this is for. It's people who like that stuff, and pfft, what a colossal failure, even on that level. Um. Well, let's move to uh to to somebody that uh, a lot of people do indeed like. Now, am I talking about Ben Affleck, or am I talking about George Clooney, mm. or am I talking about both of them because they teamed up in this movie called The Tender Bar. Um, and it's about a boy growing up on Long Island. He seeks out father figures among the patrons at his uncle's bar. Okay. Yeah, and he has an actual father, too, that, it, you know, nobody's more a father figure than a father. Uh, his father's yeah, a and DJ, he... and he's an absolute deadbeat dad and not a very good person. Um so yeah, so he's looking for surrogate fathers, and they've got this kind of complicated community, and that's it, really. Com- coming of age story, sort of in that type of setting. Um, Affleck as the uncle is is fantastic. That's the father that this kid needs. But he's not he's not going to be the greatest father either. But he's around, and that makes all the right. difference. Um, and then this glorious cast of fun characters. There's lots of scenes where people shouting between the dining room and the kitchen, and the house is like crammed full of people. And it's lots of activity and fun. Fun trip to the beach uh, that we get to relive again. And during the closing credits, um, a cool little slice of life drama. George Clooney has never really made a really good movie. Um, closest he came was his first one, which was the uh, Good Night and Good Luck. Yeah, Good Good Night and Good Luck. Um, but it, that really is pretty good. But even that, I watched that with uh, my roommate at the time, and she was like, "This is boring." Mm. Oh my god, I loved it. Did you? Yeah, I did. I I liked it too, but you know, it's black and white. And it's a little formal. Um, I like, but of course I like a lot of his movies. I like Leatherheads. Nobody likes that. That's his. I, I like Leatherheads. Did yeah. you? That's, I, I think did. you have to understand yeah. what kind of movie it is. It's a zany, you know, that's a style of movie that they all movie, all comedies basically used to be Leatherheads and Leatherheads takes mm-hmm. place kind of in the era when all movies were like that. And that's, to me, that's a neat match, but uh, very few people think that was worth the time or effort that was put in to make it. I liked Midnight Sky, a sci-fi movie from a couple of years ago. So, I mean, I it's not that I don't like them. I even like Monuments Men, which I think is actually pretty bad. But yeah, I but part of me still liked part remember. of it. You know, it wasn't yeah. worthless, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, but it, he just, he's an, uh, he's an odd filmmaker, Clooney. It, it, for such a... Mm-hmm such a crowd pleasing actor. He's an odd filmmaker. And this film is one of his best films. Certainly I would definitely say it's his best since good night and good luck. It's maybe not as good mm. as that. It's a different kind of story, okay. 
But what's neat about it is that the novel does all the work. Clooney can't derail this with a weird third act, which is a very common trait of his strange films. Um, he just he's if this one just barrels to a very satisfying emotional conclusion that a good novelist would know he has to have, especially when telling this type of this is a thinly veiled version of my life kind of story. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is uh, based on a memoir. Yeah. yeah. It, it, but it's good. The memoir is worth telling precisely because it's not much super special about this kid. It really is. It's inviting in that way to us because it's any of us. It's very New York, you know. But other than that, it. It it's 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 great. It's just great working class thing. The uh, and you know I saw a similar story last year that I hated a Ron Howard movie with uh, Glenn Close and Amy Adams and I can't remember what it's called now. Oh yeah, that well yeah because that was uh, J D Vance written by yeah what uh, a what a douche a horrible no human being. I don't I don't mean yeah. to you know yeah, wind anyway, somebody down. Um, yeah. But, we were talking about Eddie Redmayne and like my, my my week with Marilyn or whatever. Whoever wrote that novel, what a what a dipshit! It's just like mm-hmm. he wrote this character for himself that is himself, that is awesome and wise and knows everything and tells us his story. And it's like, who wants to hear a story from this guy who doesn't learn anything and just doesn't even blink when Marilyn Monroe walks into the room? It's it's a disgustingly stupid and overly simplified story. And so and so is the one i was just mentioning which you were about to tell us what it was uh i was not because i can't remember what it is called and i'm looking at a, another thing right now um that one is called uh it's are you like reading something a Kindle ohio while we're doing the show or are you just trying to no get i'm looking ahead? up I'm, I'm 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 trying to keep ahead with the other movies that we have coming <laughs> i up am and getting i'm also to- jumping around <clears throat> i've named four different movies when we were supposed to be talking about the you know, uh, it, it mean, yeah, it's something. I feel Ohio. like we should say what um, it is. Yeah, it's something Ohio. Uh, let me just um, uh, like Glenn Close. Something about being a redneck, but I can't remember. Yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, yeah, it's and I think it has Ohio in the title. Um, I don't it think so. Is, it, no, Hillbilly Elegy. That's what it is. Hillbilly Elegy. That's crap. No offense to Ron yep. Howard or any of them, Amy Adams, they're all cool. But I watched that thinking I was going to watch something good, and that story is intolerable. And I guess, as Joel said, I didn't know this, but I guess it's because it's written by somebody who's like a horrible uh, person. Yeah. Well, then, then I guess well done. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because what Hillbilly Elegy is is a horrible person who wrote a, a self-aggrandizing story about themselves. And in the telling of it, the truth that they're horrible comes out in the course of the movie, even unbeknownst to itself. And that, I guess, does maybe have some value. So good job, Imagine Entertainment, for bringing that Mm -hmm. boy to life. Another best-selling novel, so not totally out of place to mention here. There you go. Um, All right. Well, let's move on to our next film based on a best-selling novel. Uh, this one was uh, highly anticipated, um, and it is Where the Crawdads Sing. Of course, I didn't read the novel, so I can't sit here and say, if you love the novel, you're going to love the movie. But mm-hmm. um, 
And and this movie was uh, critics hated this movie, and I think they probably yes, yes they did. I'm guessing literary critics probably weren't super high on the novel either. <laughs> I, but I yeah. could be wrong about that. I don't know. Um, but what I will say is that everything that redeeming love gets wrong, this movie pretty much nails. I can see why this would grate on people's nerves, or why people would think this was. Uh, not distasteful that's not the right word but i but of low taste you know it, yeah. it's it's another southern gothic film that is very sentimental and very pandering and very um i don't want to say it's cliche cuz i haven't seen anything quite like it but but the, the this type of character is a thing that largely we've moved on from but what i liked about it you know we liked the film joe with uh with um Nicolas Cage we liked uh, mud with Matthew McConaughey all these weird southern gothic multi-generational stories that have these you know redneck heroes at the heart of them this is a film with it's the female side of that there's no gunfight at the end of it but it you know but it it's got a lot of danger in it it has a murder at the heart of it it's got a trial scene um, the young woman who plays uh, the the star of the thing is really really good and and I just yep this, and her name let's just real quick uh, Daisy Edgar Jones good actor the, and this film has a lot of tricks up its sleeve and that are that are that are if I'm going to be pandered to I mean I don't know I I get all the criticisms of it but I'm kind of like well ask what is it. Right. What's it trying to be? Okay. It pretty mm -hmm. much absolutely nails that. So it, it is a case of um, maybe it doesn't live up to the book in this way or that way, but I really do think it's a case of, hey, do you like this kind of story? Did you like this book? You're going to like this movie because these don't come around very often anymore. Um, it 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 feels like, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird and how it's sort of shot and how it weaves in and out of its plot points. But, of course, it's nothing it's it's way stupider than that it's like nothing like that in terms of its meaning but that a journey into that world i think is worthwhile and interesting you know um mm -hmm. and there's and like i say there's a few surprises along the way which i really did appreciate and i really loved uh i mean we always love him but i really love david strathairn in this movie too such a such a I, and I, he can do anything. We've seen him play diabolically awful villains, and we've seen him play, you know, mm -hmm. absolute sweethearts. This guy's a sad guy, and he's just got a sad soulfulness to him. And I, I, it's a perfect role for him, um, a perfectly huggable role. And I really do, I really like him for that. I can't say the same for the two fellas at the heart of the love triangle, whatever, but at least they're a couple of yep. morons. They, they didn't just see her on the street and decide they were going to marry her on the spot and Go on. Oh, plan no. their whole lives around, you know, they're, this movie goes through the dramatic paces of making these relationships superficial mm -hmm. and, and slightly unbelievable as they might be, especially compared to some of these other movies, which the key to them all is the, when they become believable, this film uh -huh. never becomes believable, but it's very entertaining. That is not the worst thing that you can be, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, okay. 
Um, well, that is going to do it for our uh, based on uh, based on the incredible novel uh, <laughs> and um, incredible, uh, literally and figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, uh, although we got a, little, a couple more novels coming up, actually, at least. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, there's a lot of novels, but this is uh, when uh, they, for these three things, uh, that was the like maybe the highlight of their existence is that the, they come from novels. Um, let's. Um, so let's leave production. The, let's yeah, let's leave those for later. Let's go right. Great, let's right move to on the big to ending. World War Two. That is where we are. We are at now. Welcome to World War Two, everybody. And our World first War Two. It never gets old. And if, no, it does not. It is. Uh, we continue to mine it for uh, for entertainment. Um. And World War One making a big comeback of late, but World War Two yeah. has a little something to say, and it's step aside, World War One. Mm-hmm. We're he- we can be just as entertaining and fun. That's not really right. The, need none of the, yeah. well, entertaining maybe fun, perhaps not. We'll, we'll, <laughs> the we'll hilarity, the hilarity of World War Two. Uh, first up, we're actually going to uh, jump back. This is a movie that uh, originally, I believe, came out. In, uh, yeah, forever. But it's slow uh, yeah, rolled I mean, out. Really it's slow, slow rolled out. out. Yep. Yeah. So this is a movie called A Call to Spy. And it's, yeah, 2019 is when it yeah, started showing yeah. up at the festivals and stuff. But mm-hmm. this is a Call to Spy's interesting story. It's, this is a. Um, one of my favorite filmmakers and actors and uh, is Britt Marling. She's American. She went out to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You know, she's cute and sexy and all the things you want to be if you want to be a Hollywood starlet. But she was just, uh, through the audition process, she was offered all these terrible things, and slasher movies and just dumb stuff. Mm-hmm. And so what she did to counteract that was she started writing her own movies for herself to star in, which is a pretty audacious thing to do when you're not like a star of any kind yet. And yet, the, those movies turned out to be good. <laughs> That's that. So she's known as as much, even though she doesn't even like writing movies. She just wanted to act in movies that didn't suck. So she wrote it right. for herself. Now that she doesn't have to do that, she writes less and less. But it, a real collaborative artist and a really, really, really talented actor. Her films aren't for everybody. Again, they're pretty unique. They're they come from a unique place, and they're very modest in a lot of ways. But the another artist who's doing that same thing is the person who wrote and stars in this film. What mm-hmm. is her name? Her name is Sarah Megan Thomas. This is her second or third movie. I don't know. And this is even though this is for a World War II movie, this is a very intimate, tiny little movie. Um, because it because unlike our next movie, which is also intimate, that movie has a sort of intimate setting. This movie has a pretty broad and adventurous war type setting and yet it's a very small film and you you feel it that's one of the things that's a bit of a bummer of it none of these are big budget films anymore it's weird our world war ii films are Mm -hmm. they tend to be middle budget films and they tend to have very old and uh you know demographic that they skew to in terms of audience so you know, so they're not for everybody, but they do still make them because there's all kinds of interesting stories to be told here. This story, I'll let Joel read the synopsis. 
In the beginning of World War II, with Britain becoming desperate, Churchill orders his new spy agency, SOE, to recruit and train women as spies. That is based on the incredible true story. Uh, I, was, I was hoping the, you would. Be oh, sorry. sorry. Based on the incredible true story. Dang it. I was slow. I did not. I panicked. and I didn't know what you were talking you know, about. The audience doesn't know, and they will never know, Joel, that this is a very special episode of the movie show with Joel and Ryan. <laughs> yep. And all, that's all I'm going to say. So if you find yep. this, if you feel like we're a little off today, or there's a reason. Things just aren't um, quite syncing up the way they normally do. There is a reason. And if you want to know that reason, you can ask us, but we're not going to tell you what it is. Because, you, yeah. you, you know, that's just a little teaser for you. Just feel, I hope you feel teased by that. Mostly, mostly again, it serves to remind you, dear listener, that we are, we are but human. If you prick us, we do bleed. We, if you, yeah. if, and if you're, if our refrigerator dies, <laughs> we do eat, we do eat warm food. Warm food's the best food anyway. I don't see what the That's problem true. is. That's true. I don't know. I, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so back on track. A yeah, call, call to, to spy. It's, you know, I don't know what to say. It's women women spies, you know. Ooh, wow, you gotta... Mm-hmm. The war is going so badly, we gotta have the women spying. But it, it's just written oh, by and for... You know things are... Yeah. You know things are getting desperate when Churchill has to call in on the women. Women spies? What's next? Voting? <laughs> What's um, next? Pants? <laughs> <laughs> so now that we've completely skewed this, I'll just say this movie's okay. It's good. I liked it. It, it tells a familiar spy story. A movie that I really like that's basically about the same thing is... Um, Ah, oh, god damn it! It's a name of a proper. It's a proper name, so I'm not going to remember what it is. It's a Kate Blanchett movie where she goes to France as a spy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Charlotte oh, I, something. Mm-hmm. Charlotte maybe. Um. Oh, I know this one too. Oh, this is gonna, I'm, okay, I'm pulling it up right now just because I can't. Come on, internet. Uh, I can't think of it, but uh, I yes, I'm, it's gonna it's gonna uh, make me very angry. Um, it and, is. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah go ahead. No, it's uh, uh, not there yet. Kate um, yeah. Blanchett did two movies in the same year that were the names of her character, <laughs> like the full proper names. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I used to get them mixed uh, up. Now I just flat out can't remember what they're called. So I guess that's a slight improvement. Well, you know, she does have a a, a penchant for doing uh, for doing movies that. Uh, that are named, you know, there's Charlotte Gray in which she pays plays Charlotte Gray. There's Veronica Garrett where she plays Veronica those Garrett. Those are the two I was talking about. Yeah, Charlotte yeah. Gray is the movie I was thinking of, and I can't go any further than that. I'll just say the reason I like Charlotte Gray better is because it has a bit of romance novel to it. That helps. That makes the that makes the interesting story palatable. You know, in a way, it makes it an entertainment. And I'm not saying that all World War II movies should be, but if the, if you're not gonna, if you don't have the budget or the or the ability to really get into the re, the harsh realities of the thing, um, it's it's a challenge to get that done. I love that these guys challenged themselves to do that with this story. I just didn't love this movie very much. Um, <laughs> nevertheless, uh, the, who the three women? Stana Kotick's the other one. 
Yeah, uh, and oh shoot, I didn't realize I moved over. Yeah, hold on. So, so third, yeah, we have our our, our main our main person, uh, Sarah Megan Thomas. We about. and uh, Radika Apte. Yeah, she's great in it. They're, all three of them. It's kind of they're the they're the people in the different places that make the that make move and shake the thing. And they're all three women. And I, you know, like I said, I I dug the story, um, and I really liked that they. They clearly stuck to the details of the story, you know, which made the thing a bit of a convoluted mess as it comes to an end. And they tried to funnel it into the normal, like I say, normal dramatic arc to make it satisfying, but they don't quite get there. Um, mm. It's still a good film. I look forward. I'll, I'll watch more of, of uh, uh, Sarah Megan. Sarah Thomas. Yeah, Sarah Megan Thomas. I'll watch more of her films because yeah. I like this one showed that you got you 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 know you're telling the right kind of story you're doing the right kinds of things she's definitely a good actor that I had not seen in anything else up until that point so um you know who uh you know whose bluster hasn't uh, been on this list yet hmm. Al Pacino Al Pacino yep we um, talked about him let's... yesterday in House of Gucci but basically just name dropped him yep uh but let's see. so he is in this next film. Uh, called American Traitor, The Trial of Axis Sally. Um, this that is name, American. That name yep. alone that's that long and has the two titles like that, that should be a warning sign to you. Mm. What kind of movie and you know what it is? What? Based on the incredible true story. It is. Well, it's, there you World, go. it's World War II at all. Yep. But we're, I don't think we're going to actually come to one that's based on complete. I'm just saying. Story. I'm just saying it's right here. I mean, they are on, it's on the poster that, <laughs> yeah. based on the incredible true story. Yeah. American Trader, the you, trial of American Trader is a great name for a movie. I just wish that that the trial of the, it just ruins yeah. it. Yeah. And Al Axis Sally, it's so loaded and silly. So, uh, anyway, this is, yeah, this is have, also um, an intimate, tiny little movie. It's partly it's her trial, and then we flash back to what she was doing during the war. And I like this movie better because it's a better made movie. No offense, but it just is. It's got a little bit more classic uh, movie making panache behind it, and that's cool. But it also has a who plays Sally in this? I can't remember. Uh, her name is Meadow Williams. So another actor I wasn't super familiar with. So it's interesting watching. Well, these she things. hasn't really done much of anything. Yeah, uh, she's. I mean, she's. I don't know. Maybe she's not even very good. You guys will have to be the judge. I thought she did the trick pretty fine. Uh, Pacino is obviously he's his defense attorney, who doesn't believe her or believe in her in any way whatsoever, mm -hmm. at least to start, which makes things complicated. But it's a lot of cliches. He's got a young guy who who really wants to work with a great lawyer, and they have a lot of young guy, old guy debates about the defense. Um, but the story of this woman and why she was doing the things that she was doing, she, she just was a real person, and she went on these radio shows um, on behalf of the Führer, and she just went to Germany to become a cabaret star, to become a movie star or whatever. That's, and she spoke German. Mm -hmm. So that's, her whole thing was, that's all I want. I just want to become a star. Hollywood's not mm -hmm. working. Uh, here I am. And she did, but for all the wrong reasons, she became a star selling propaganda, uh, you know, anti-American propaganda on the radio waves at night. 
But it's interesting because the stuff she says is ludicrous, and the situation she was in was completely untenable. She should not, obviously, have stayed in Berlin when the war started, <laughs> but she did. That's where she found herself for stupid reasons, and 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 then had to, you know, then you do what you have to do to survive. And and in that way, it's interesting. It's a different look at a what would you do if you were here? What would you do if you were in this person's place? How how much are your principles going to intervene when your whole life is on the line? And it's not so much about, I could sit here and say, well, I'm willing to sacrifice my life for this or that. But when somebody's holding a gun to your head and you're been scared, it's like, it's hard. It's hard to know what yep. you're going to do. It's just hard. It's impossible to know. And any one of us who says mm-hmm. we do know, you know, she, she rebelled in all kinds of little ways, according to this movie, and, and a couple of them got her into real trouble, and real trouble with these sorts of people um, was a terrible thing. So it's an interesting, it's interesting story, but it's just a little surfacy, superficial, it's very sort of cliched way to tell it. I hate to say it's cliched, like cliched, you know, period courtroom drama, because we, Joel and I love courtroom dramas, and you didn't get... Even the court shows on TV, like you don't—they don't go to court very often anymore. Like it's the the writers who used to write the—I mean, think about it, like L.A. Law gave you th- about three trials per week that all basically right. wrapped themselves up. The really good ones went on for a few episodes, but you know nobody can do that anymore. Nobody even tries to do it anymore. It's so in a way, I liked it for that. I like a good courtroom drama, and this this had its moments. It had the the Hollywood star doing the <laughs> doing the cheesy lawyer tricks, you know, during the trick of the mm-hmm. jury and surprising people and oh, saying the opposite of what coming. he should be saying. All oh, that stuff. No, not that. <laughs> he, he, you know, he does the whole "my client is terrible" thing. You know, it's it. it they're all yeah. cliches at this point. That's probably why they don't make them anymore because it's hard to make right. a good one, honestly. <laughs> um. And this shows how hard it is. It's not very good, but it's not. Yeah, yeah. It's, it wasn't trash. I, I was. I'm not mad at it or anything. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> there you go. That is the it's kind, kind of, of the same with the last one. The last one out. I had. The last one I admire much more than this one. Called sure. The Spy. This one was much more easy, as an easy entertainment, and it actually has a pretty high pedigree of actors in it. The mm. actor. The recognizable actor list, anyway. Maybe not the big stars, but it goes deep, and all it needs these lots of different roles because the World War II stuff it, it involved a lot of different people. But it, it's not so much her story during World War II, which really could have been a compelling story. It's the trial is very, very cliched, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, next up is a movie that I uh, I honestly almost watched today, and I'm kicking myself because I because here been, it is. Been, it appeared on the list. I would have I would have looked so good. I would have ended this episode <laughs> so strong. Well, we'll see if you still um, want to watch it after the review, and then we'll know. If yeah, you did the well, right thing it is <laughs> it is Operation Mincemeat. Operation During- Mincemeat. Mincemeat. During World War Two, two intelligence officers use a corpse and a false papers to outwit German troops. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, it's uh, Matthew McFadden, the, f- the first, uh, the first code name he comes, 
comes up with for this in this little meeting that they're in is Operation Trojan Horus. And I don't remember who it is. I think maybe Charles Dance plays the guy who's like in charge. And he, he uh, somebody like that anyway. And he's like, yeah, he's like, J oh, Jason Bob Isaacs. No, Jason Isaacs. Is, oh. I think it's. Well, Mark, let's see. Jason Isaacs, Mark Gaddis. Uh, I'm looking at the cast list here. I would have swore it was or... Charles Dance. Uh, I'm not seeing. Well, I, let me go to everybody here. Dance didn't make the. Uh... I guess he's not in it. Well, anyway, the guy at the head of the table, you've seen this kind of scene before, probably. He says, mm -hmm. he says, well, here's the problem with your stupid thing. And he just rattles off those. And then the last thing he says is, and it has a code name that even a school child could think of. <laughs> Operation <laughs> Trojan Horse. So Operation Mincemeat, which is now pretty famous, that name appears. I mean, you know what movie you're watching, but that name appears well into the movie um this is interesting very convoluted very british uh <laughs> spying from your desk back home sort of film it's 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 a fraud that they're perpetrating on the enemy to trick the enemy into thinking that the that the invasion of sicily is actually going to be an invasion of greece and it worked spoiler alert but it worked and it it saved a ton of lives because it worked because again, the same guy who's not Charles dance and the scene is like, you know, so what we need to do, everybody knows that Sicily is the entrance to Italy, which is the way we get into Europe, blah, 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 blah. He goes, so what can, and anybody who owns a map of Europe can see <laughs> that this is the case. Like it's, everybody mm -hmm. knows this is where we're, what we're doing and where we're coming. So this is an impossible task to, and it requires impossible subtlety that has to be picked up and interpreted at various degrees along the way. Uh, but I loved it. I was enamored with the details of the of the mission of the the con itself. It's really like a con mm -hmm. game story more than a war movie, um, because that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to to con the the German brass into thinking something that that was obvious at the time and 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 yeah. behaving differently because of it and you can't just you can't just drop a briefcase with a fake invasion of greece out of an airplane and hope they find it and then hope that they don't think it's fake like what they what they they do something actually very much like that but it it's not where the thing starts it's every step of the way they had to push it along and that's ah, just really really clever and of course yep. we were talking about it because um friends of the show uh dr maz and um and dana they were ch chatting about it i think in a thread that we were both involved in and it, it was due to the fact that both mr darcy's appear in this film together <laughs> yes uh, yeah and they're, can, we... and they're in it a good deal of the film together and they're they're both effing fantastic british actors and and uh matthew not so much he kind of after his appearance as mr darcy he was not elevated to the role of superstar he was he was mm -hmm. actually sent to the doghouse to a certain degree and had to climb his back w way back but i think due to succession and the fact that he's been nominated i think he even won an emmy for succession at this point and that's a worthy emmy but it's a surprising one to me because i don't think even though it's a showy role, I, I'm surprised that amongst the people on that show that he's the one that gets to take yeah. on the enemy. But he is, and it and it I don't think it's wrong that he is. 
He's amazing on that show. Yes, he is a, a winner. He's amazing on that show because he's an absolute clown at first. And as the onion gets peeled away and you realize the deep self-hatred and psychosis that are going on with this guy that make him what he is, is very real and very sad. And that's an extraordinary accomplishment by him. In this, this is a much easier role for him. He's he's a soldier whose brother has died. He's trying to do his part, but they won't let him go fight because of some issue that he has. So this is this is how this is how he's going to, to serve. And Colin, on the other hand, is a World War One vet who knows what war is all about. And the two of them help each other out, and they're peas in the pod. And then when they're not, they're very much in conflict with each other. The whole mm-hmm. team that put Operation Mincemeat together, it, you learn to care about all of them, actually. Um, it's got all these cameos by these different people at different stages of the story, a lot of recognizable faces, excellent production values. Who directed Operation Mincemeat? John Madden. Uh, well, who else? Right? Perfect yeah. for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's John Madden. Uh, he's the guy who made uh, Shakespeare in Love, right? In Love, Best Marigold Hotel, uh, Best yeah. Exotic Marigold Hotel. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Captain Corelli's Mandolin, I believe, as well. Yep. His other war movie. So, um, it's good, man. Operation Mincemeat is a yep. really, really good British spy movie during during World War II. It's not a war movie, per se. There's no war action in it. But it, right. it's, it's... Well, it's, we, even, we do even get Ian Fleming as a character. Ian Fleming was yeah. part of Operation Mincemeat. Yeah, so... Yes, he was. Yeah. I did like that. So somebody titled their review Operation Everybody Loves Kelly McDonald. Oh, who doesn't love Kelly McDonald? Yeah, who doesn't love What do you have? Oh, a heart of stone, you horrible person <laughs> who doesn't love her. No, I just yeah, so um uh, she yeah, doesn't I, she I think she isn't Scottish in this though. I always prefer Kelly when we get to hear the real deal come out of sure. her mouth, you know, but sure, whatever. Sure. All right, well, let's wrap it up here with our final film in the World War II category. And our final film uh, of this episode our, of the movie show with Joel episode. and Ryan. Um, and, of course, this episode of the movie show with Joel and Ryan is... Ripped from the headlines. I don't know. Um, it is Munich, the edge of war. A British diplomat travels to Munich. You couldn't just call it Munich. No, no. That's been done. Edge of War, if you drop the the, is mm-hmm. would have been okay. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, but Munich, kong, kong, the Edge of War. The Briti- a British diplomat travels to Munich in the run up to World War II, where a former classmate from his Oxford, uh, from o- a former classmate of his from Oxford, is also en route, but is working for the German government. Uh, Munich, the edge of war is, is I wouldn't have put it here if I didn't like it slightly better than Operation Mincemeat, which I liked a lot. So, because it would, I'd have flipped them because why not end on mm-hmm. high note? Joel, Joel's Correct. getting used to how I sort of do these. Although sometimes I surprise you and put a really piece of garbage at the bottom. Correct. I'm talking about you, Jurassic World Dominion or whatever the F you're called. Um, you're coming. Your day is coming. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> someday maybe in february um <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get there we'll get there mu- at some point <laughs> we'll get there munich so here so that's a movie everyone saw and everyone knows that nobody cares what i think about and here's a movie hardly any of you saw 
that maybe you will care what I think about. It's possible. So this this whole show has been full of those. So hopefully it has been somewhat instructive for you guys. Um, it's the story of the negotiations between um, Neville Chamberlain and the Nazis about tr trying everything England could to avoid another world war. And I, I just caution you every time you watch a story about that, because Neville Chamberlain and the term appeasement are hand in hand, mm -hmm. <laughs> like just stomp it stamp it on his tombstone because that's what he's known for appeasing the Nazis. The Nazis are the worst thing that we can think of that happened anywhere for the last 200 years. And, and he appeased them. So he's bad, but it, it's just not as simple as that. World war one was devastating and it was particularly devastating to the people of England, the families in great Britain. And, and you just have to understand that when you realize that the real that there was real not amongst everybody obviously but there was real impetus amongst the leadership and the citizenry of the UK to not get involved in what was happening in Europe and he mm -hmm. he took that as his mission and yet he did it in a way like a true di diplomat does he he made deals he you know got stuff in writing i mean he and 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 he was very, he was just a very clever diplomat in that way. It's played brilliantly. And I, uh, Jeremy Irons has went through a, uh, went through a phase in my doghouse for about 10 years where everything he was doing, I was like, what are you doing? This is that terrible. Come on, man. You used to be yeah. really, really good, you know? And now it's like, what is this? Is just garbage. Stop it. And that's, he's. Now he's cool. He can come back in, and if he wants to mm -hmm. eat my unrefrigerated food, he's welcome to do so uh, alongside me because he he's been really good in a few things. And this is a it's a fantastic role for him because he's so no matter what you ask Jeremy to do, he's so aloof and so upper crust and so like better than you. I mean, that's what he's always been <laughs> best at. You know, mm -hmm. even when he plays a real soulful guy or whatever, it, he's still got that. I know what's right and wrong, and I. It's just it, he. He's got a real presence in this that is fantastic. Uh, our hero, though, is not Neville Chamberlain. Thank God that would not make for a great movie, no matter how you spin right. it. It's seen from a lowly, still well-bred because it's Britain, but it a lowly, you know, clerk's point of view. Uh, played by George McKay, has done some really, really good stuff this year. Good on you, man. I mean, it's some really good stuff in some really small films. Mm -hmm. And he has an old college friend who they used to argue about just, not, it's not ancient history. They were just in college a few years ago, three years ago or whatever. Uh, the two of them and this woman who by the time we're in our current day is, is, is gone because her principles got her in trouble in Nazi Germany. And you see very much what happened to people when they wouldn't back down. Um, right. He really believed in, not so much believed in the Nazis or what they were saying, but he definitely believed that the Germans got a raw deal at Versailles and that they didn't feel like being the slaves of Europe and they wanted to feel prideful about their country and they wanted to get on the road to economic recovery. And of course, these are all things that the Nazis gave them, I mean, essentially, Right. Um, that's where the, the, the horrible Hitler had some pretty good ideas stuff has come through over the years is that 
from the bottom, the very, very bottom, the dregs of your whole country is a disaster zone to you're about to rule the whole world in just a few years. That didn't... Right. Uh, I don't want to say there were good ideas in there, but I mean, that sort of thing, a lot of people got swept up in that. But of course, right. by the time this is taking place in the story, this it's kind of a spoiler to say so, so I hate to say it, but it, I'll just say it. The guy working for Germany knows now. He's he's yeah. he's woke to what's going on, and and he's got the balls and the wherewithal to do the right thing. And the question is, when the right thing includes things that the people in power don't want to hear, will they listen? And that's the, that's right. sort of the crux of the story. And I I it's a fantastic subtle story. It's it's also based on a novel. You can feel that, and every page it's based on a novel by a guy who, when I clicked on his name, I realized. First of all, his movies have been made and his novels have been made into a lot of movies. And I like almost every single one of the movies that his novels have been made yeah, yeah. into. Uh, we'll say his name in a second when Joel checks it out. But Well, no, I, mean, I have it right here. Robert Harris. Um, yeah. Yeah, I should have known. Yeah. Not, uh, no relation. But yeah, yeah. Enigma Spy, we Ghost talked about before. That's one yeah, for Enigma, sure. There's a yeah, Fatherland. Yeah, um, that's so good. They're just yeah. one after another after another. Really, really good films. This isn't a great film by any means, or you'd have heard about it, whatever. But it's sitting there on Netflix right now. It's just a couple clicks away, um, and it it is a fantastic story. Very, very well told. So I I recommend people if you're interested in this part of history. Um, if you want to give good old Neville Chamberlain a, a second go and maybe, <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe see what he was like in context, this yeah, is yeah. a place where you, you can do that. And, you know, um, we've spent a long time re revisiting Churchill in context and various different things. Chamberlain, obviously not the firebrand that Winston Churchill is the, the next prime minister of England, but but he was a guy who had a purpose and had a strong mission and really believed strongly that he was doing the right thing. And, and it's easy to look back. It's easy to look back on all that on hindsight and realize when, you know, now that we have all the information and, and, and know that it was, it came out in weird ways. Like the racism was obvious, but genocide wasn't happening yet. Like people didn't really get it. Yeah. Yeah. People really didn't want to go to war. And the people who did, who acted, are, you know, the people who flew the planes, the people who got off the boat on the beach. I mean, they're all heroes, truly. However flawed people they are, they're all heroes. But the people, uh, the people that were our enemies that, tried to do the right thing. I mean, the, I find those stories mm -hmm. absolutely amazing. And of course, if you know your history and you know how this story turns out, but it's still a journey worth going on. I think it's really well done and operation oh, cool. is fantastic. So there's a couple of great, if you're a, there you, go, right there. Buff, mm -hmm. you got to, they made yep. a couple of really nice movies quietly over the last couple of years that you should probably check out. And that's, that's with respect to Axis Sally and the ladies and Call the Spy. The, the, it's the other two where it's all a bunch of guys that are better, unfortunately. Did you get Kelly McDonald? That's cool. 
Well, there you go. Um, all right, folks, that is going to do it for uh, this second the uh, movies of 2022 and some of 2021. And hey, we even threw one from 2019 in the there. The year or years in review is what you should yeah, start the, calling that's them. Right. That the years be. in review, 2022, 2021, <laughs> and then some of 2019. We've uh, overstayed our welcome and we're getting sloppy and loopy. So love you guys. <laughs> All right. Take care, everybody. Have a wonderful time. Reach out to us on social media. You know where if you listen to this show. Uh, Enjoy, everybody. Take care. See you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan. Remember, all views and opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the speaker and do not represent those people, institutions, or organizations that the speaker may or may not be associated with, unless explicitly stated. None of these views and opinions were intended to malign or deceive. And now, here's the producers, circa 1982, to play us out. <laughs>